Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? That question hits me a little different this year because of what I experienced last year. Last year, I remember on this day, on Good Friday, sitting at the seminary on my couch, and I couldn't focus. Yes, I put the Good Friday service on our TV, and yet we got a call from family. And then there were kids playing outside, laughing and giggling. Soon our neighbors were cooking next door. And there was even a lawnmower mowing on our back patio. And I'm reminded of those words, could you watch not even one hour? The answer for that day was I struggled to focus to try and watch for even 45 minutes. Even on the day upon which our Lord died. The day upon which Isaiah prophesied, where he said Jesus would bear our griefs, carry our sorrows, be stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, chastised, wounded, slaughtered. The day upon which the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm not sure that the prophet Isaiah knew exactly what it would look like when God sent his suffering servant as he prophesied through Isaiah he would do. But you and I know what that looked like. We know what it means that the hour has come, that the time has come come, that the moment has come. We know what happens in the gospel of Mark chapters 14 and 15, the gospel of John chapters 18 and 19, the gospel of Matthew chapter 26. We know exactly what it means that God's chosen servant would be like a lamb led to slaughter what it means that God's servant would be struck for us, would be pierced for us, would be afflicted for us, crushed for us, slaughtered for us. And we call today a good day. We call this day a good Friday. Today is a day that is seemingly full of paradox. We're reminded that this was a moment that God's people had waited for for centuries, and yet when it happened, they were the ones who put him to death. It was a day that was the height of their anticipation, and yet when God sent his servant, the people were disappointed, and yet in reality, he exceeded all expectation. It's a day in which those who would cry out, Hosanna, save us now, just a few days earlier, 
would be the very ones who beat him, who spit on him, who mocked him, as he did exactly that. Today, the power of Almighty God is shown to us in humility and restraint. Today, the life God intends for us to have in him is brought forth by his very death. Yes, today is full of things that the world would say don't make any sense. And yet they are the very things that Jesus did for us. We are reminded that today the guilty are redeemed by innocent suffering. We are reminded that God's plan of salvation means that the innocent one dies on behalf of the poor, the broken, the weak, and certainly the sinful. That it is for our sake, my sake, your sake, that Jesus suffers. And not because he was forced to, but because he loves you. And loves you so very deeply. I admit, at times, it's convenient. It's convenient for me to dismiss or cast away out of my mind what this good day truly means. It's convenient not to think about the anguish, the pain, the suffering that Jesus endured. Or perhaps better stated, it's convenient to forget how truly good this day is for us. It's convenient to forget that Christ showed us his love on the cross when we don't exactly feel like loving our neighbor. And it's pretty convenient to cast out of our mind or diminish Christ's humble obedience when we don't exactly feel like following God's will. And it's pretty easy to forget, to dismiss, to cast away what Jesus did when people wrong us and we want retribution, remembering that he looked at those who put him on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Today we are reminded. We are reminded when we look at one another, when we look at the sanctuary, when we look especially at our own sinful selves. We are reminded that when we pass by things like the crown of thorns in the back, that before one single thorn pierced his scalp, before one single drop of blood streaked down his face, you and I were the ones who deserved to be pierced with a thousand thorns. That before one nail would penetrate his flesh, pierce his hands, pierce his feet, fix him to that tree, we remember today that we are the ones who ought to be nailed for the many shortcomings, misgivings, the sins we ourselves know all too well. We are reminded when we consider things like the prominence 
of the cross in our Christian life. And yes, even the prominence of the cross in these walls in our sanctuary, that the cross is a cherished, important symbol, not because it was empty and unoccupied, but rather it, was, it is an important and cherished symbol because that is where he hung. That is where he hung for you. That is where he hung for me. See, today it is his sacrifice we contemplate. Today it is his suffering, his pain, his anguish, his torment, his death that we ponder. And yet the biggest paradox of all is in his suffering, in his innocent suffering, we're given comfort. We find comfort because he suffered so that we did not have to endure the wrath of God. That as we see his lifeblood poured out on the cross, we are reminded that we can take our guilt, our shame, our sins, and pour them out at the foot of that same very cross. Yes, we know what it means that he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted, pierced, wounded, chastised, slaughtered. But by God's grace, by God's mercy, by God's love, we too know what it means that he brings us joy, that Jesus brings you peace, that Christ brings you hope, that God brings to you eternal life. It's not an easy reminder today. It's not an easy reminder to think of that baby boy born in a manger who'd grow up to be the perfect example of goodness, the perfect example of love. That same baby boy we proclaim every year brings joy to the world around Christmas time, that he's the one who'd have to suffer. He's the one that would hang upon the tree. That it is his agony, his pain, his sorrow, his shame, his death that we required. It's not easy to think about that, but it is exactly what we required. And it's exactly what he did. And he did it for you. He did it because he loves you. He did it because God's love for you covers whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever sorrow, whatever loss, whatever sin you sit here with today. He did it. He suffered so that you would know how much God loves you. See, Peter knew this. Not only did Peter fall asleep, not able to watch but for one hour, but as we heard earlier in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, Peter recalls, he remembers how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And we read, Peter broke down and wept. He broke down and wept. 
Yet Peter also knew the love that God has for him. He knew exactly what it meant to receive forgiveness, to receive goodness, to receive grace and mercy on account of God's own suffering. And he spent the rest of his life telling others about that. Writing in his first epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2, Christ suffered for you. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued, entrusting himself. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That is the goodness of Good Friday. That is the goodness of today. Goodness that would not just be known on a Friday on a hill in Jerusalem, but goodness confirmed just a few days later in the joy of Easter morning and the empty tomb. Goodness that God brings to you undeservedly and freely every single day of your life. Today we ponder the suffering, the pain, and the agony Jesus went through. But he did not go through those things without a purpose. He became sin who knew no sin for a reason. The very purpose, the very reason that God had in mind when he sent his son into the world. We are reminded today, perhaps most of all, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's what God did for you. That's what Christ did for you on the cross. Today we ponder, we consider the cross but when we look at the cross, we don't have to shrink our heads in shame, but rather know undoubtedly it means that God loves you. That God's love for you is sufficient for you. God's love for you is utterly complete. That God's love for you brings you back to him that we consider what he went through, what he endured, what he hung there to do, and know truly, yes, Jesus loves you. Amen. Now may the love of God for you in Christ Jesus guide your hearts and your minds in his peace and joy that surpasses all understanding. Amen.